There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, welcome, welcome to our weekly show. Thank you so much for being with us. Shoo. We even waited through a mini monsoon to get here. The show goes on no matter what the weather is. But it's so great to be together with you again. And yes, we are in Chodesh Adar, Baruch Hashem. We had Rosh Chodesh this week. We are building up Ezra Hashem towards Purim. Purim is what? How long? About 10 days away? Monday night in a week will be Purim. And of course, Tuesday day also. I'm sure everyone is looking forward and building up and preparing and busy with all sorts of interesting things leading up to Purim. But this week we have Shabbos Kedish Parshas Teruma, the building of the Mishkan. And uh, no special reading this week. This is one of the break weeks. We had Shkodim last week. We'll have, please God, Pasha Zohar next Shabbos. So this week we're just going to read the normal Pasha and the normal the normal Haftarah. So perhaps just a little comment on the building of the uh, of the Mishkan. The Torah, in fact, uh, tells us that uh, um, when you build the the Mishkan. So the uh the uh apostle quotes that the, the way the Mishkan was placed was the Menorah was placed right opposite the Shulchan, the the table on which the special twelve Lechem Haponim, the twelve showbreads were there. The Mishkan was on sorry, the, the Menorah was on the southern side and the and the and the shulchan was on the the northern the northern side. So Meshulam David Salvechik, David Hagon of David Salvechik he brings a beautiful interpretation for the reason that the menorah was placed opposite the shulchan. It says the uh, the Torah's kind the medrash says in Pashas Mr that there's a pasuk that tells us that the menorah was outside of the Parochas, the Parochas being, of course, the curtain that divided between the Kodesh HaKadosh and the Holy of Holies and, and the holy area which contained the Menorah, the Shulchan, and the Golden Mizbeach. Because when it says that the Menorah is to be placed in the Oyal Moed opposite the Shulchan, so we wouldn't know if we're supposed to be near the Parochas, or near the sort of the entrance way to the to the Almight. By the fact that it says to place it outside the Prochis and the Shulchan is, is opposite it, we see that it should be closer to the Prochis, closer to the curtain than than to the door. Now the Briskarov Zatzal asks why the Tedas Kainim learns this from a Posuk in, in Pasha's Emma, when in fact it states Mufurish explicitly in our Pasha that the Shulchan is to be placed outside the Prochas and the Menorah is right opposite the Shulchan. So he brings, he brings Rav Chaim says that this verse teaches us that the Menorah has its place, has, has a Mokom, has a set place and it must be opposite the Shulchan. He adds that everything must be placed specifically 
And it's stated in Pasha's Pekude where they put the Mishkan together, where there it says that the Shulchan is placed outside the curtain and the Menorah is opposite the Shulchan, meaning the Shulchan must be placed first and then the Menorah is put in its place as the set place of the Menorah is always opposite the shulchan. So the shulchan has to go in its place first, and then opposite it stands stands the menorah. According to Avchaim says, so the briskarov asks why the Torah's koinim needs the pasuk in Emor to learn that the menorah is near the prochus, right? Since we know that the shulchan is near the prochus, as it says in our pasha, the menorah which has to be near the shulchan surely is then obviously also right near the Prochus. Why do I need another person to teach me that? So the Briskarov answers that even though the place of the Menorah is opposite the Shulchan, having the Shulchan in its place is not necessarily a prerequisite to having a Menorah. Even if, let's say, for example, for whatever reason, the Shulchan would not be in the oil moid, so there still has to be a Menorah. Although, it wouldn't be in its designated place opposite the Shulchan. Nevertheless, in such an instance, the Pasuk needs to tell us that even though there's no Shulchan for it to be opposite, it still must be near the Purechas, even though it's in that situation, it's not going to be opposite opposite the Shulchan. Now, the, the Rashbam states that the Menorah is meant to actually cast light on the shulchan. As it states, the menorah is placed opposite the shulchan, and therefore subsequently, in the, in the next pasuk, pasuk of Zion, it says, and that you shall, you shall light the, the menorah in order to, to shed its light, el ever ponel, towards its face. So the Rashbam explains that the menorah is lit facing towards the shulchan in order to light up the shulchan and the lechem upon him. Now, the, uh, the, 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 the Rashbam at the, at the end of Pasha's Emor also explains that the portion of the menorah and the shulchan are repeated in Emor even though we have it already here, because the menorah was placed opposite the shulchan to light up the shulchan upon which are placed the lechem upon. Now, there the Dasakanim explains that, in a similar way, that the menorah was meant to eliminate the, to illuminate the shulchan, which was opposite it. And he adds that this is, of course, dependent upon a whole disagreement whether the menorah was situated west to east. The whole discussion, where, which way did the menorah stand? Did it stand west or east? In other words, with a, one candle facing closest to the prochas and one far away, or north and south, where all of the can, all of the candles were actually parallel to the to the prochas. If it was east or west, it can be stated that. The Pnei menorah, the face of menorah, is the Shulchan, and all the lights faced towards it, then providing it with, with light. And this is, this seems to be consistent, because there are all this forum also. The, the, uh, the Hadaz, the Kenim of the Balitoisvis, 
or, and also the Cheskuni also brings that sent the same shot. That according to them all, we have to understand why the Menorah had this job, so to speak, of illuminating and lighting up the, the Shulchan. Perhaps another question we can ask is why the Shulchan had to be put in its place before the Menorah was in its spot, especially considering that the Menorah is more important. In fact, the Gemara in Baba Basra explains that the Menorah signifies the Torah, the Chokhmah Satera, while the Shulchan signifies wealth in the physical world. Additionally, just a third question to round it off, we can also ask why the Shulchan was in the center of the Mishkan at all. Since it symbolizes wealth, it would seem that its proper place would be outside, would be even in the Azorah, in the, in the, uh, in the courtyard. So, of Chaim Kaufman, Zatzal quotes the Ramban that says the Shulchan was in the northern side. Why? Because the blessing of Hashem brings, the in, in, in Mishle says that the Baruch of Hashem, that's what brings riches. As in fact, we say, whenever my name is mentioned, I will come and bless you. Now, Calvin explains that the entire Mishkan is a dwelling place for the Shechina and is the source of all blessings that come down from Shemayim for the benefit of Christ, or for the benefit of the Jewish people. The Shulchan, with its Lechem upon him on it, was placed in the northern side of the Heichal because the bread was the source of all parnasa, of all sustenance that descends to this whole world. Hashem wanted to give the nation a, a shef, an abundance of, of sustenance from Shemayim. Why? Because Birchas Hashem Hitashi, the blessing of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, brings, brings lots of uh, 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 wealth. Placing the, the Shulchan there in, in the uh, in, in the north of the, of the, uh, of the Mishkan is, is the, is the, is a, is a, uh, symbol of the blessing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, as Chazal, in fact, say, as you said, anyone who wants to become wealthy has to turn to the north. Now, the Sefer Chinuch, uh, writes also, Hashem commanded us, with this constant mitzvah of the lechem upon him. Why? Because man lives on this. We are sustained by this lechem upon him. Therefore, there needs to be a constant brach on it. Through our, our, our amal, our toil to fulfill all of, all of the, the mitzvahs, Hashem brings bracha down onto our very, very physical world and into our, and to our sustenance. And it's the blessed in, in our, everywhere, even in, even in our, in our, in our bodies. Because whatever one does, and when everyone does, the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he gets, he gets a, a, a bracha, as, as, as we spoke before. And this is, in fact, as Chazal say, that the Korban Oimer, we know was brought on Pesach. Why? To breast the crops of, of the fields. The, the Nesachim, the, the water offerings, the water libations were brought on Sukkot. Why? 
to have a rains of bracha for the whole coming year. We blow a shofar on Rosh Hashanah with the dafka, the horn of a ram, to remember Akedas Yitzchak. Right? Regarding the, the lechem upon himself, the Gemara, the Gemara says that because it is a mitzvah, and with it we fulfill the will of Hashem, it has so much bracha attached uh, uh, to it, and any koyin who ate even a small amount of it was automatically satisfied. You only had to eat a little, very little bit, and it was like having a proper meal. From all of this, we see that in, in the pinimis, in the inner reason of the mitzvah, to build the shulchan and place lechem upon him on it, in the very heichal of the mishkan, is for it to be a, 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 a almost a pipeline to provide uh, a sustenance, to provide livelihood, to provide parnasa for the entire Jewish people, and to send down all the, the heavenly hashpah and of benefits that, 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 that help the Kaisal grow and develop. And the Chinuch writes similarly regarding the, the constant fire, that we learn about in Bajzav, that, that, that is burnt on, on the Mizbeach, that its purpose is to perpetuate the fire and warmth that is in a person's very, 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 very nature. Just to bring it all together, the, the, the Shla on, on our Parsha, writes that the shulchan and the lechem upon him symbolize Hashem providing of, of, of sustenance not only to the Jewish people, but to the entire world. And he goes on to learn a, a kind of a valuable Musa lesson from this concept. He says that this mitzvah teaches every individual that no one should ever think that he is a master of his own of his own destiny, and he has the ability to work hard and collect as much wealth as he can based on his own talents and capabilities. Rather, one has to recognize that Hashem Yisbarach is the only provider of sustenance, and everything we receive is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu alone. One will only have Parnasa if HaKadosh Baruch Hu so decrees it. And if Hashem so desires, one will remain poor, no matter how much shtadlis, no matter how much effort he must. Furthermore, one should realize that an abundance of, of food will not necessarily satisfy him. More than a small amount of food may satisfy someone else. Whether one will be satisfied by the food he eats also is up to Hashem Isbarach. Right? The amount of food is not what fills a person up, rather it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu's bracha is what makes him feel satisfied. One one person may eat a lot and remain hungry, while another may eat a very little bit and be full because the food is blessed by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We'll, roll, roll out, we'll wrap it all up and put it all together in a minute. We're going to go to the shops first. This is one oh one point nine High FM, Friday afternoon, Soul to Soul edition on the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. <laughs> There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, we're back on your radio here in Johannesburg, Erev Shabbos, Kodesh Parshas, 
Truma, as we do at this point on the program on a regular basis, we fill you in on the very important times you need to know to kind of plan your day and get yourself organized. Tonight, the time for lighting candles is still the standard Johannesburg summertime, probably for the last time, maybe next week also, but 6.15 is the time you got to get them up. The latest possible time for lighting Shabbos candles this week is at 22 minutes past 6. You don't have a lot of time to play with between the recommended time and even the latest time. Shkia tonight is at 6.40, 20 minutes to 7. And Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at 10 past 7. 7.10 is the end of Shabbos for, for tomorrow night. As we said, the normal Pasha with the normal Haftarah for Pasha's Truma, which discusses the building of the, of the Beit HaMikdash, of Shlomo Melech's base, base HaMikdash, and come and be inspired. So we're talking about the need to understand of where one Panasas come from, and of course, one has to make an effort, one has to also, what we call make a Shtadas, one has to, uh, 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 Go to work and one has to go through the motions of getting that parnasa, but he used to realize that he has to be very careful regarding how much effort, how much establish a person puts into obtaining his income, obtaining his livelihood. For if one exerts too much effort, not only is it not going to help him, it may in fact obstruct him from receiving the real hatsala that, that he needs. Therefore, we need to understand that everything we therefore do needs to be under the influence of the Menorah. So we understand now why therefore the Menorah has to be placed opposite the Shulchan. If the Shulchan would have its own place, let's say somewhere in the courtyard, as we said, people would become confused and might mistakenly believe that material wealth, that physical bounty, has value in as of itself. Therefore, Hashem set aside a place for the Shulchan in the actual Mishkan opposite the Menorah, so that the Menorah would, we said, shine upon it as a sign that everything the Shulchan represents, man's panasa, man's sustenance, one's pursuit of wealth, must be by the light of the Menorah. It is a symbol that one's, all one's efforts to earn a parnasa are not the source of his livelihood. Rather, it's Hashem's blessing. That's what provides all, all of the, all of the, uh, all of the wealth. And it's well known that the, the most westerly light of the menorah miraculously stayed lit all the time. The Gemara says, one well, Shabbos says that this is a testament to all that the Shekhinah dwells amongst Klai Yisrael, so too as a sign that Hashem is the source of all Parnassah. And that was symbolized by the Menorah shining upon upon the Shulchan. And it's not easy, really, for a person to spend his day working and, and, and really putting all of his efforts into making his daily bread. And then when Bez, Bez Hashem, he succeeds in making a living to accept that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is really the true source and not his own effort. It takes a lot of strength of, of character to remove all the thoughts of one's own personal glory from one's mind and recognize that everything 
that one has, everything that one does, all of one's success is actually sent to him from Hashem alone. We're dealing in the Hilchas Yanta segment with the laws of a mace, a, a dead body on uh, on uh, on Yontav. So we, we began briefly last week, we said that on Shabbos and, and Yom Kippur you can't be involved in burial at uh, at all. You can't even move the, the mace. The mace is considered a, a mukta, but if you are worried that it might, uh, the body might uh, uh, rot or, or in any way be be treated disrespectfully, so you can place on it a garment or some other item that's not mukta, and then you can move it to a place where it can be properly protected and, and looked after. We also, we can't even ask a non-Jew to do the burial for us, because if you're going to ask a, a non-Jew to do something for you, that is a Torah prohibition, so that's that's a that's a, a rabbinic prohibition. A, a goy can only do something that is itself an iser iser jabon, and it's not proper covered for a dead person that they should uh, we should be machala for him the Shabbos or or Yom Kippur. However, on Yom Tov, Chazal allowed us to request from a non-Jew to be involved in the burial of. Of someone who has passed away. Why? Because since Bechlal, generally, the Torah is more lenient in the laws of Yantav, and the Torah allows us, as we know, to prepare any kind of food needs that we have for Shabbos. So the Chachamim also uh, uh, kind of did away with the prohibition that, uh, which they had set and on for Shabbos, and allowed us to ask a non-Jew to do the necessary and do whatever work is needed to bury a dead person. For instance, he can he can sew the shrouds, he can prepare the coffin, he can dig he can dig the grave. And and Jews are allowed to do whatever for for the mace, whatever they're allowed to do, in other words, whatever does not involve any Torah prohibition, that we can do for the mace on Shabbos. For example, we can do the title, we can, we can wash, we can wash the body, we can carry the coffin, we can accompany him as long as we don't leave the tchumas, as long as we don't walk more than a kilometer out of, out of town, and he can be placed in, in a, in a grave, and then the non-Jews will finish the job and, and cover the, the, uh, the grave with, with, with earth. Now, on Yontav Sheni, the second day of Yontav in, in Chutzlaretz, or even the second day of, of, uh, of Rosh Hashanah, Chazal permitted Jews to be involved even in a burial. In other words, Chacham made the, the second day of Yontav almost like a weekday in, in terms of what is needed to take care of of the dead, of the dead person. Why? That since the Chachamim, they're the ones who made the rules to keep the second day of Yontif, so they, they, in, in, they built in to allow, uh, the Moloch in order to, to stop any, any, uh, any bazillion to this, to this person. We're going to come back with the closing segment in a moment. This is 101.9 High FM, soul to soul. Don't run away. 
There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, we're back on the radio here in Johannesburg. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being part of our great big radio family. We're talking about the needs of a dead person on Yom Tov. And we're talking specifically now about the second day of Yom Tov. And, and uh, we're saying that since the the Chazal are the one that told us that we have to keep the the second day as as a commemoration of of uh, of what was done in the past. So they also made the rules and brought in the Shulchan Aruch that uh, 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 Chazal allowed us even even in Jews to be involved in the burial of of uh, of a mace because if you if the if it's their game they they set the rules and they allow us to do what is necessary in order not to cause any embarrassment any any shame to a dead body and therefore it would be permissible even for a Jew to sew the the takrichim to sew the shrouds for a dead person or even to dig a, a grave. And, uh, and even, even, even Halakha brought to sort of cut the, the, uh, the, uh, flowers, the hadasim, that would be, uh, would be needed to put on the, on the coffin in, in a, pla- in a situation where that is the minig. Some places they have such a minig, uh, Warren, Warren Bates says, to show honor for the mace, even that would be a Jew. Now, there are many poiskimu holds, that with all these things, if it's possible, one needs rather to ask a non-Jew to do all those forbidden activities, certain, particularly those things that are forbidden, minatayra, and that we should not, the Jews should not do them at all. That's the opinion of, of the Ramah there in, in, uh, in, in Shulchan Aruch, and that, uh, whatever it is forbidden to do on let's say on Cholamayid, for a dead person, is is actually still forbidden on Yantav Sheni also. Therefore, according to the Ramah, it would be forbidden for uh, to make for a dead person uh, anything, any kind of public uh, a de- desecration of of Yantav, any of the malachas that if someone would see you doing them, they wouldn't know that it's being done for a, a dead person. For example, uh, uh, ewing out stones in order to, to make the, gr- the, the, uh, the grave or cutting woods to make the, to make the, uh, to make the coffin. Uh, if let's say the cemetery was outside of the Tchum Shabbos, so you'd be allowed to go out on Yontasheni beyond the Tchum Shabbos in order to accompany the dead body, but if you need, in order to do that, to to travel, let's say in a in a automobile, so then only those need to those who actually need to be involved in the burial are allowed to to travel. Everyone else can just accompany the the uh, the, uh, the the body, and even the mourners themselves would not be allowed would not be allowed to travel. Outside the tchum, unless they are, they are needed. And as regards those people who do travel, uh, uh, coming, coming back. So the Shulchan Aruch deals with that, 
with that also. So if a person, Chas passed away on the first day of Yantiv, so then we don't delay the Levi until the second day in order that Jews should be able to to uh, uh, take care of him. But if they did wait till the second day, then, as we said, a Jew would be allowed to to uh, to bury him. That's the one minute, and and there are those who have the minute that's lechatchila. We don't do a levai at all on the first day, and we always push it off. Even if the petir was on the first day, we always push it off from the first day to the second day. And today, where anyway the burial is done by by uh, by non-Jews, so the uh, and and that would be that would be. Uh, that would be a tremendous uh, uh for the for the mace that is just left. So the minig is to be lenient. And uh, again, the Shankmar says those who want to rely on that lenient opinion can in fact can in fact do it. However, if we're worried that maybe we're gonna be so busy with Leviya on Yontiv, so Khasashom that could cause additional problems or additional prohibitions. For example, there are going to be people who might make uh, telephonic arrangements to to let people know about when the Leviah is is going to be. Or some people might might even travel in in their cars in order to be part of it. So then it would be better not to have Leviah on Yontif at all. And certainly today, where it's definitely possible to preserve the the uh, dead body in 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 refrigeration. And uh, therefore, the 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 bezayim to the mace is minimized. Nevertheless, uh, 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 Jews are commanded that, and, and if there's a possibility that chil uh, yontif could come, so it's better not to have elavaya on on yontif sheni at uh, at all. Very very fascinating discussion. Please God, should be something that is never never relevant in a practical sense for us, but just something interesting halacha to know and learn. But our time, as always, is up and time to leave you in the hands of the news and some really great music leading up to Shabbos Kodesh. Thank you for making the time for being with us. I hope your Erev Shabbos is going according to Hashem's plan and please take the opportunity to enjoy the Shabbos, get into it, learn something, get inspired because Purim is coming and Purim is the day that one has to prepare and get ready for and I'm talking about not just your Shlachmanis, but your mind and, and understanding what Purim is all about. In the meantime, Tov Ezra Hashem, we have this Christmas meeting next week to each and every one of you. Thank you for being here and a beautiful and warm good Shabbos to all.